All right, friends, how's it going? That seagull in the background means that I'm back in the shed with the door open in my Portslade HQ, and you listen to the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast, the show where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Hope you enjoy it. You can find my entire archive and show notes over at my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. Um, you can also sign up to my Substack there as well, which I'm going to give a bit of a plug up top because it's rapidly becoming one of my favourite parts of the Looking Sideways universe, mainly because it does seem like the natural home for the community that's risen up around the podcast and also for the type of stuff I churn out on a regular basis. I'm talking about the podcast, the newsletters, the guest posts, the insight pieces that I publish over there. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to encourage more people to go over there. I just started an open thread over at my Substack, in which I'm finding, I'm hoping, should I say, to find out more about the people who listen to the show and read the newsletter. I'm mulling over some fairly significant changes to the podcast in the next couple of months. So if you do fancy participating in that thread to let me know your thoughts, that would be much appreciated. You can uh, sign up for the Substack or even just read it. You don't even need to sign up via the uh, tab on my website when you go to www.wearelookingsideways.com there's a tab on the nav bar that says substack or you can search looking sideways substack all right plug over let's go on to this week's guest krista funk a swimmer surfer and photographer who has very quickly indeed established a career for herself as one of the most creative and formidable water photographers out there particularly on the north shore where she captures that scene with a blend of dynamism, grace and beauty, I would say. I love this one for a few reasons. Um, firstly, because Krista is just completely ace and a proper good sport. Let me just tell one quick story by way of illustration. So we recorded this one in Hossegor in France the other week, which is where I was staying as part of that DB thing I've been working on the last few weeks. I think it was Wednesday night, it was about midnight. Um, big group of people sat around a table, um, drunk, to be honest, and we were playing the Ben Mundy orchestrated water in the face game, which basically involves everyone getting drunk and throwing water in each other's face. Um, much more fun and less hardcore than that sounds. Um, we're having a right time. Everyone's pretty wet. In walks Krista after a 40-hour journey. I think she'd missed flights, had layovers. She would have been forgiven being faced with 20-odd people braying and splashing water around. She'd have been forgiven for going straight to bed. Yet within 30 seconds, she had a drinking around and was throwing water around with the best of them. And that's when I had a feeling. We had a bit of a legend on our hands and I wasn't wrong. And the other reason I love this episode is because it goes to show just how far you can travel literally and metaphorically with only your interests and self-determination as you guide, as you're going to hear Krista's got a really extraordinary story about how she ended up in this position via an upbringing in Colorado, a passion for swimming and a stint in the US Coast Guard. Not the usual North Shore career path, I'm going to suggest, um, which is, of course, what we discussed in this episode. And it just does go to show there are no perfect paths or career plans, just individuals working it all out making the best of it and seeing where they end up. And uh, she's done that brilliantly. So yeah, we had a proper laugh doing this, as I'm sure we'll come across. Just a note to say that as with last week's episode with Tim Myers, we recorded this one in the garage in our shared house uh, on an extremely hot day. 
So there's a fair amount of background noise going on, not least people try to quietly come in and grab surfboards so they could go for a surf. Um, I'm sure you probably wouldn't notice if I hadn't have mentioned it, but I just thought I'd flag it anyway because um, people do get annoyed by that stuff. Anyway, I'll be back at the end. But in the meantime, here's me and Krista. Enjoy. So we're in Hossegore and yeah, yeah, it's 48 degrees. I'm with Krista. Um, we've retreated to the garage of our Airbnb, <laughs> possibly the uh, most functional studio space yet. Um, but it's working, isn't it? We've got a little breeze and uh, yeah, it's been good hanging out. So how was last night? Because we, so we recorded a live, yeah. a live talk um, with Sage, Tim um, and Kepa. And that was probably also like 35 degrees. So it's kind of, it's quite full on, wasn't it? How'd you find it? It was really interesting. I really enjoyed hearing about what, um, what their stories were and their answers to questions and their perspective on things. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting, wasn't it? Cause yeah. we were saying the fact that everybody does like pretty different things really, but has the travel and ex creative expression in common and uh, yeah it was cool especially hearing your story because your story is quite you know it's not obvious is it it's what we were saying last night like the route to from from where you grew up to to what you're doing now is mm -hmm. is quite a convoluted one really in a way isn't it it's not it's a difficult oh. journey to take <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i would agree with that completely yeah um so how's it been so your first trip to france you know what it's not I actually came out here with the Coast Guard in the summer of 2009 um, with a port call in Cassis, France. And then um, I think I traveled around, jumped on the train a bit. And then we also had stopped in Monaco too. And um, so that was, that was fun. But that's the Mediterranean side, yeah. right? So that's the other side. And so... This is the first time I've been on this side of France. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it at its absolute best, I would say. You know, good waves, obviously hot. Doesn't really get any better. No, yeah. but the waves are, they're clean and they're fun. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's been great. I've been yeah. having a good time with it. Yeah. So what? So what's a port call? Like, cause this is like what, some, something that you do as a Coast Guard then? Oh, so that was um, when I was at the Coast Guard Academy. Um, during the summers, you do summer trainings. Right. Um, so you actually get a feel for um, the real Coast Guard. And part of your mandatory summer training after your freshman year is to spend um, at least six weeks on Coast Guard Cutter Eagle, which is their tall ship. Right. It's got like the four masts, like oh, very really? traditional, like sailing ship. Yeah, look like to it. like the old sort of clipper sort of thing. Yeah, right. And um, and your port calls can go either way. Like it's not like you get a choice in them. And the first half of the summer that year was Europe, and then the second half was going up the East Coast. So right. I lucked out and got on the Europe side. And nice. Yeah, we started we met up with the boat in roto spain and then um sailed to monaco and then cassis and then went back through and um down to bermuda right. to wrap up the trip wow that so, sounds amazing how old were you yeah. when you were doing that i was if it was two thousand i was 19. wow mm -hmm. was that and was that one of your first sort of big trips away you know that was that was my first um 
trip to Europe and actually like really an international trip. Yeah. Um, that wasn't something when I was growing up that my parents could afford. Right. And so it was just like, I wanted to travel, but I knew I was going to have to either do it through work or do it through some other means. And that was one of the things that I had looked at with the military. In addition to getting, I wanted to get a marine biology degree. And, um, so I'd also looked at that and I was like, you know, that's a way to travel. And maybe you'll go to some locations that are places you would never go in your whole life, but you're still going to have experiences and things that happen. And, you know, so I really enjoyed that aspect um, with getting to travel and see different areas like I hadn't before. Sounds like you. So from what you were saying last night, obviously you were telling the story about like how quite a young age, basically you had um, you had this kind of desire to to like do something around the ocean essentially you know you kind of like you know you had this experience you were saying where you were kind of like yeah I want to kind of pursue this so at that point did you were you just try to find ways of of making that work like marine you know marine biology obviously you're a swimmer as well so that, like a competitive swimmer um coast guard were these just paths where you were trying the swimming obviously being different but like the is that what it was? You just from a young age, like, right, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to kind of experience this and I'm going to find a way of doing it. Yes. I think, so what had happened too was I, um, we lived in Colorado and then we'd moved to Delaware when I was seven and age seven to 11, we were there and we were in the beach all the time. And I remember taking a field trip in fourth grade and we went to the Baltimore aquarium and um we i thought i saw like a blue ringed octopus right and then we went to the dolphin show and so like any little seven-year-old girl as soon as you see the dolphins you're like i'm gonna be a dolphin trainer yeah i'm gonna be yeah and then so i told my parents that right my dad being my dad uh um he sits me down and it's it's when computers and the internet were just like kind of really coming together and I get this like old HTML format page and he sits me down with an article and it's like living wages for a marine scientist with a PhD or a marine biologist with a PhD and then it compared it to the wage that um, a manager at McDonald's makes right and I'm like I'm a fourth grader and I was just like such a dad move isn't it (laughs) crap what am I going to do? And I was like, oh, this is all I want to do. And even then, I feel like they, he was probably hoping I would grow out of it. And there was one point where I was just like, oh, maybe I'll be a doctor. And just run off and do other things. And so, um, but I kind of never let go of that. And then um, I'd been swimming and been in the water. And then I got into photography when I was 13 and... It all just became like, I wanted to keep shooting, but it was one of those things where my mom had told me, my, she was just like, get the science degree first and keep doing art on the side. But like, if you want to have anything science related, like get the hard shit out of the way. And then she's like, you have your rest of the, your life to like shoot and yeah. do that. And so have the foundation yeah. to fall back. I mean, it's good advice, yeah. isn't it? It's probably not like the, sexiest advice when you're a kid and you've got ambitions no. but it is kind of sensible yeah. isn't it really and um 
And the other part was too, I had another, I had a teacher in um, seventh grade and she was a lieutenant colonel, retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force. And she saw my work ethic and I, I would turn projects in really early and I just liked getting stuff and then just getting it done and getting out of the way. So I felt like I could, I don't know, go to swim practice and read books all the time. Like that's all I wanted to do. And so um, she saw that kind of work ethic. And so she told my dad, you know, if, um, when she's applying to schools, if I highly recommend her for a military academy, and if you need me to write a recommendation for her, if she goes that route, right. please let me know. And so once like, um, I kept, so through all of this, I'm shooting, I'm swimming. And then the college question rolls around right. and like, my dad kept suggesting a military academy. I was like, no, I want to be a photographer, marine scientist. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be stuck in the military and have all these rules and rigidity and that kind of a thing. And then um, I started looking at like finances and feasible things and what kind of scholarships I could get and um, had really good grades. Um, I didn't test well though for ACT and SAT, but I had enough other things going for me, but I was looking at California schools and I was just like, fuck, I think I'm going to have to go. And not that it would have been a bad thing, but get a degree from University of Wyoming in biology and then find a way to get the Marine side of it later on. Right. And, um, I was like, oh man, that might take a while. I wonder if there's an easier way to do it. And so I finally, I asked my sister, I was like, Megan, should I apply to a military academy? I just, I don't know about this. And she was like, well, why not? I couldn't give her a single reason why not to. And so that brought me in, um, to just going up to my parents and going, all right, I think I'm going to need some help with this process, but I'd like to apply to a military academy because they had the degree I wanted. I could do swim team there. And then, um, and then I could come out with a job and be working for five years for the military. And then I was like, you know what? And then I'll be 27. And if I want to get out at that point and do something else with my life, I'm still young enough that it's right. not like my body's going to be completely broken down and I won't be able to like pursue something active um, or pursue photojournalism and be doing that. And that's basically how it shook out. So the Coast Guard is part of the. I mean, this is a really stupid question. That, but it, I it, don't. It's part of the military, basically. If you're gonna yeah. do, if you're gonna do, I didn't realize is. that, right? Because like, yeah, in I'm, in the it's UK, a it's a lot smaller than but, the but it is, other services. It is a, it is a service, basically, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so that's a big decision then. Yeah. Um, because, but you took it. I and, did. And before like, you mentioned swimming and reading, so when you were growing up, I'm assuming they were like you. Your, your two passions really oh like that you, that you were that you were really into oh yeah I and that's one of the things I would tell kids growing up today if you don't feel like I don't know if you just want to go into the library on your lunch break or something I don't know we had open lunches or whatever and you could leave campus when I was in high school and fuck if you don't feel like you fit in quite right you don't have to sit around a bunch of people that you really don't feel like you're good friends with just to try and fit just fucking I just wish I would have just gone to the library and just read books yeah I don't know I always because I felt like from my perspective it was like 
I didn't quite fit. It was such a clicky public high school that I was at and I did swim team and then I was in challenging classes and hard classes and so I was doing that and then it was like and then I had newspaper and I was shooting photos so I had like different sections and I never felt like I really fit in with like the art crowd or like yeah. the kids that were really into the newspaper like I really loved doing that and that was that was something I really enjoyed because that was all the photography and then um and then athlete types so I just like always felt like I was just kind of out of it did, and when and, did you kind of get the confidence to to sort of not worry about that or did you it kind of sounds like you already, you always had it really a little no. bit I don't feel like I did. I feel like I um, was I kind of just trying to, I had a couple like decent, like I had some, a few good friends in there, but nobody like, I just, it didn't, it didn't really click with me. And I didn't, I didn't like high school that much. I had, I really enjoyed swim team and I really enjoyed some of the aspects of it, but like the friend side of it and always like running with the, crowds and that shit it was just like uh, i just remember it being tiring yeah because i you, the reason i'm kind of you know sort of digging no. into this a bit is oh, because no. it's, it's really similar story for me like without oh, yeah without the swimming part but like yeah i just basically didn't like in secondary school as we call it um yeah just kind of struggled for a few years and um it can be it can be really challenging can't it to like Cause you, cause you feel like you, if you, John, if you want to come in, just grab, grab a board. You're gonna, okay. you're gonna, you're gonna go out. Yes. What are you taking? Oh, look out! Oh. Dad's weapon. There we go. Got High the, volume, wide board. Got the sunscreen on, yeah. All the fun. Yeah. Twin fin. Yeah, just leave it open, man. So if people want to come in, then they can, they can just yeah. grab something. Have um, fun. Yeah. Yeah, like I. And I, I, I actually remember like making quite a conscious decision, like when I was about sort of 14, 15, where I was just a bit like, I need to stop worrying about this. And I need to, I need to kind of just accept that, you know, I need to find the tribe, but obviously didn't think about it in those terms. But I was a bit like, yeah, this is actually fine that I'm not, not sort of following that path, like the, the, the set pattern as it were. It's quite a liberating mm -hmm. thing. Was it, was that a similar thing for you? I think it was once I got into um, the Coast Guard Academy. I feel like I made a lot more, um, just a lot more friends. And, like, you just kind of, like, you're thrown into such a, like, constant, like, you're just constantly tired and you're around the same people and you can't leave the campus because it's a military school. And so you end up, you just develop friendships with people. And I found myself, like, um developing a lot more friendships in that aspect yeah um than I ever had before but I just I didn't like how girls treated each other it just right. drove me up a wall and even the guys were catty and you just hear right. like everybody talking shit about everybody else and you're going what the fuck are you saying about me yeah. like and I don't know it just it was something that I was just like okay I'm just gonna get through high school I'm gonna get good grades and then I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. And I'm going on my way. Oh, it's brutal, isn't yeah. it? The social Yeah. The social chaos. Even I didn't I didn't even want to go to some of the local schools because I was like, fuck, it's gonna be just like high school all over again. 
I like, I want to get out of here. And that was another thing with the military academies. It was way to like really remove myself. Um, and just get on a totally different track. Yeah. And it just kind of, it checked all the boxes for me. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And what about swimming then? Where'd that come in? Was that when you were quite young? Yeah. We was. had a little, we had a little bond yesterday, didn't we? Over our love of swimming laps and you know, the mental health aspect to it. Cause it's, that's a real thing for me. Like I've not been able to swim really for properly for about three years. Cause I've, I've got like a tendonitis in my left elbow. <sighs> And then like, I'm, st- I mean, it's just middle-aged to be honest. Yeah. And then, and then, um, that like these muscles under here under your, around your armpit, yeah, which are classic sort of swimmers wear and tear things, aren't they? Um, so I've kind of, and I, I really put off doing the boring rehab as well. Oh, and then this year I was like, right, it. but it was kind of doing my head in like, because I couldn't, yeah. cause I was so used to being able to swim and, and doing it as a routine. And so this year I was like, right, I got to sort this out. I've got to, I've got, to, so I've been like in the gym doing all this like very tedious stuff, but it's, it's worse. So I'm back swimming again. And I, 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 re- I, when I was researching this, like I was saying to you yesterday, I read you saying like, there's nothing, it's the only thing to like reset your brain mentally, right? So is that, was it, was, did you find that in it early on? I did. I found that, um, gosh, we start, I started when I was, um, seven that's like i think the hundredth time i've said that sorry sorry and listener anyways (laughs) we're moving on here but i found that because it just i i don't know and i was i was really high strung kid right and um like a lot of energy bouncing off the walls yeah that and then just like i'd get very i don't want to say anxious it's not like i'm saying i had like personality disorders or whatever but i was wound really tight does that make sense yeah and so um, I'm just getting in and swimming. It was somewhere to focus all of that energy. Yeah. And then, um, once I had all that energy out of my system and I was done with practice, I could actually like focus on getting all my homework done when I got home and then went to bed. And it was just like, if I, my parents would take away swimming, that would be my punishment. Yeah. That they didn't ground me. They would just take away my swim practices. Right. Wow. Not so let you, me go. So it was that, it was, it was that much of a part of your personality, even yeah. at that age. Like they, they had, they had it on a string. They were like, all right, this is how we can do this. Yeah. And they did. And I was, and also, I don't know, at that point I'd seen like my sister make mistakes. I mean, I had the two older sisters, right. like three years apart. And so, I watched all their mistakes and I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. So I was a pretty good kid for the most part. Um, and, but that was just the one thing once they found that it was like, oh, you're just not going to swim practice. And I just would be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just mad. But yeah. so, And did you, like, you were obviously competing. Did mm-hmm. you, did you have an ambition to sort of do that at that age? Like sort of more, did you want to pursue that as a career, like as a competitive swimmer? I did at a certain point And then I felt like I was always better in practice than I was at swim meets. Right. Um, I had, there were some races, especially early on, like when I was younger, where like everything came together. And then um, I think going back to Colorado I don't know and just getting older I was just too in my head during the meets right and um I I love my coach that we had 
for middle school and high school. Um, he was such a hard ass and it was so refreshing, but he didn't believe in tapering before meets. And I think that was always really challenging too. I think that was another aspect of it. Um, so tapering is where you dial it down just for a period before, right? Is that, I mean, I'm yeah, not, I'm you not do an like an on this, easy but... practice before a meet. So you're not exhausted the yeah. next day while you do your meet, but you maintain your level so that, yeah. so that when you see, so you can put it all in on the, on the day sort of thing. Right. So he just had you training. I'm assuming, I assumed it was a, a he then. Um, yeah. Um, like just at that constant level basically. Yeah. Right. And so I would, I just remember going into meets really run down right. a lot too. And, um, and then, I don't know my, and I, like my mental game just wasn't there. And we had some kids that were really fast and were making their state times and were just good. Yeah. But then like, I don't, I just like, I'd get to the meet and it's like, I could do so well in practice. And then the meet was just like, kind of like, eh. Right. Like I was, I was good, but I wasn't like, oh, this girl's headed to the Olympics. Yeah, like yeah. she's on that track. And that felt like I was like, oh, that'd be so amazing to do that for swimming and to be so good and fast. And like, and then it just, it was like a failure, but it ended up being a really good failure. And I'm glad it happened that way. That's interesting. Why yeah. is that? Because of what it taught you, presumably. So it's actually because um, I applied to the Naval Academy and the Coast Guard Academy. Right. And at the time I wanted to get into the Naval Academy more. Right. Um, and I, cause I didn't know as much about the Coast Guard Academy either. And I applied early decision for both of them. And Naval Academy was a D one swim team and Coast Guard Academy was a D three because it's a much smaller school because it's a smaller service. So it's, you have fewer officers coming out of the Coast Guard Academy than you do the Naval Academy. What's D what's D one and D three? Oh, that? it's like um it's the tiers for like um the level of the team. Okay. It's like um NCAA tiers. Sure, right. So like the highest is D one and then I think D three is like lower and then you have your D two schools. Right. Or not I think it is lower. Yeah. Um and so anyways, I the I talked to the swim coach and he's like, well, yeah, we might need like a year of you at prep school to have you get faster and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, before we have you on the team, and I kind of went, oh, okay, that you know, I I get that because that's kind of where my times are at right now, and I can see that. And they just they and that's what they came out with too in their decision because of um, just my application or whatever they said you've got the recommendations you need. We want to have you here, but just go to prep school first. Right. And then Coast Guard Academy came back and they were division three. So my times were good for a D three school. They were perfectly fine. Like I'd be on swim team. No, no issue. And, um, Coast Guard said, Hey, we'll let you in. Like, and your early decision application you're in. Right. And so I went, okay, I'm going there. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to delay it a year if I didn't have to. Um, and I didn't have both of them telling me to go to prep school. So I said, all right, I'm going to the Coast Guard Academy. Right. And, but it was because of that. I think if I had been, um, I'd been faster and I'd been at that D one level, like 
I would have gotten into the Naval Academy maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like if I had had those really desirable times, like those sports teams, like kind of snatch you up, right? Yeah. And so my application might have gotten accepted. And then it totally would have changed the path that my life went. Yeah, right. That's and quite so a sliding doors moment, as they oh, say, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. There are so many fucking weird coincidences with getting in. Like the postman that they sent, like that my parents gave my application to and I don't know we we had gone to a swim meet and they gave my mom dropped off my application for me and he was like oh my son was in the coast guard and then like my medical examiner her son went to the coast guard academy too and like right. and so it was just these weird coincidences of just seeing like the coast guard pop up cuz i was like oh i don't know which one am i making the right choice and then that really was like the nail in the coffin when that came around and I got the applications back and they were like hey come right now and I went okay I'm there like do you, do you believe yeah. in that kind of fate, idea of sort of fate serendipity kind of guiding things because I kind of do like I, do I, I kind of which is I remember I remember saying that to my mum once actually and she was like wow that's funny because you're like very logical <clears throat> and very rational but sometimes I think there's got to be something in it like and especially when it comes to making decisions like because as you've just described with that situation like what's happened there is you've made decisions that have led led to turning points in a way haven't you yeah you know, which have which have kind of opened the path for you so yeah it's interesting to hear you talk about it in those terms because I, I totally get what you mean there um and it sounds like you had a lot of choices like a lot of different ways you could have gone like a lot of different paths are open to you so how was it when you got there oof <laughs> imagine it's quite hard right <laughs> it was you you do um uh basic training for the summer and you know what you just kind of shuddered though when when uh when <sighs> i said that as if you were like god yeah yeah it was it was it was just a shock to the system because i'm not i don't really and i've heard this so many times and i heard this during my career too i wasn't the typical military officer um, and I don't like, I just didn't quite, I feel like I've never quite fit my whole life and not in a bad way. Like I'm really accepting of that now, Yeah. but like, um, I just, it was just like, oh, you're, you're different than what we usually have. You know what I mean? And so. But I was so damn determined to not have that opportunity to get lost. And it was. It was hard. Like, you got in and you're doing basic training. And I had the third day that I was in, I pulled my hamstring. Right. And I had, um, you have upperclassmen. So there's juniors that are training the freshmen. And so they're screaming at you. They're yelling at you um, and everything. And... One of them told me, and I'd never heard the word malingering before, but he right. was like, oh, he's like, swab funk. You need to find out what the word malingering means. Right. And I was like, what? What? Okay. And I was like, aye, aye, sir. <laughs> like, and I I just was like, what? A, what? How am I going to find out what? And I was like, oh, now I have to ask people because we didn't have computers and we couldn't go online or anything that whole summer, phones or anything like that. Yeah. So we just... I figured out what it meant and it meant like you're faking an injury. Yeah, and I right. was sitting there and I was like, Oh, wait a minute, asshole. I legitimately pulled this. Like, 
I'm not faking this. And so as soon as it was better, I was like, had a point to prove that like, I wasn't a piece of shit and I was there and I was going to get through all of it. And then, um, it was my whole entire freshman year. I didn't feel like I let myself be like, okay, you're really here and you're not going to get kicked out until I finished my freshman year. Right. And like, then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm here. I've got this. And like, you're constantly tired. You, you just don't sleep. And you're so your freshman year is like 22 credit hours for classes. And right. so it's just, it's a really rigorous schedule. And then I don't know. I just feel like that carried over though, because, um, you kind of, you get that, like getting used to working when you're tired and then you finish and then you go into the coast guard and then you're fucking, it's back to being exhausted all the time right. when you're working. And so taking that mentality and then um, taking a savings and being able to buy all my equipment and camera gear and that kind of thing and doing the, the part-time work with photography. Yeah. Um, that was actually great because now I go into situations where it's long work hours for projects and I'm like, this is nothing. Yeah. You're like, Oh, you need me to stay up all night and edit and then go shoot the next day. Yeah. Okay. It's going to feel a little rough, but I can get through it. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say there is, you know, the point that you just made about um, feeling like you don't, you've never, you've not fitted in like in situations and that you've kind of, you're at peace with that. So like, was that, was that, how did you have the confidence to do that? I guess like, where's that come from? Because if you, because it, it sounds, you know, when, even when I was talking to people about, I was going to, you know, I was, I was always like, oh yeah, Krista, like she's a North Shore photographer. She's like total badass. Like she's like, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it has a reputation. Like okay. people, people think of that environment and think fucking hell, that's pretty full on, you know, like straight away. So where, it's, an, it's just a really interesting point, isn't it? I think it's stubbornness. Right. I wanted it. And I just kept applying myself with it. And that was the thing too, with the Coast Guard Academy, I'd watched, um, I love, I love my family, but right. Everything you say after, like before the butt is bullshit, right? No, no, I still, I love my family, but I heard <laughs> so many stories when I was a kid, um, about like aunts and uncles that had these amazing opportunities. And then they just kind of, they, they blew them or they, weren't able to like, they just, something happened that was within their scope of control and then it was gone. And so I sure as hell wasn't going to get kicked out of the Coast Guard Academy. Yeah. And then I had to do five years obligation as an officer and I was going to finish that. Like I was going to do all of that. And like, and regardless of if I was like the perfect fit for what they wanted in an officer, like that can be damned. I'm can finishing you, this. So you can use it as fuel. Yeah. And I think that's what I kind of, I was going into the North Shore photography world with like, and even just the surf world in general is so, it's such a small community. I'm sure. Yeah. You know I mean, that. yeah. Like, like it, it's one of the key features of it, I would say, you know, the, yeah. the fact it is such a closed, especially the professional world, like the professional industry, if you like, you know, it, it's a closed shop really isn't it especially somewhere like hawaii you know where there are so many yeah. codes there's so many cultural sensitivities to navigate you know we were just swapping sort of 
famous war stories earlier weren't, weren't we about that kind of that sort yeah. of stuff like and yeah it's it it's it's it, it is quite interesting the fact that you've kind of managed to navigate it so deftly really you know I think where it came from too is I was um my first job as an officer I was on a boat um in the Pacific doing missions on there for two years and then I did three years in contingency planning and so it's like I was already active in the community that I was in and so I wasn't just coming in to just take yeah um and so I think that kind of actually that that helped and I also had a financial backing when I was starting because I had a job that paid me very well and I wasn't just starting as a photographer and if my thing like my photos weren't selling then I wasn't making rent or paying the bills and then had to go because I couldn't do it like I just wasn't getting enough money to be able to like keep moving forward and so I think having those um two things where it's kind of like you're already kind of getting to know the community and understand how it works and then um just backing myself and being able to have the freedom to go, okay, if I'm not selling photos for a bit, or if this is like, this is a learning process and I'm giving, I have time to learn yeah, basically. And so I think those two things really helped. And just, um, I just, I'm really stubborn. And when I set my mind to something like, <laughs> I feel like it's just like, my husband's told me this too. He's like, man, if you don't want to do something, it's, it's rough. But when you want to do something, it's going to happen. You're going to find a way to like make it happen. And, um, I found that surf photography was something and just photography in general, like I could really focus and hone in and it had, had everything I'd ever wanted. Like I didn't like the computer side of marine biology and all the tables and charts and everything I liked the data collection yeah and that part of it and so it had that like that aspect of being in the water yeah and then one of the things with like land photography that sometimes like I like mixing it up I shoot a lot on land too as well I think you have to to keep yourself like it helps keep the creativeness going and then um just keep it so you can get a variety of jobs but I digress um well no it's interesting though because yeah. I, I totally i totally agree with that i think you with creativity like that the thing the more you pour in then the actually sunscreen um down. um the more you know the more curious you are like that it comes out in the work i'm a massive believer of that i think i think the more the yeah. more that you just try and be you know omnivorous with the things that you that you just try and understand and learn about it, it yeah. has to be a benefit yeah so it all like it just it was that and just wanting it and I just I loved how I could get in the water I was swimming I was moving because with land you're stagnant you're not moving necessarily as much and you're like actively part of the environment and that there was just so much appeal in that to me and then it was sports too and I had loved shooting like sports I had more time to shoot in high school definitely because I wasn't studying so much I didn't have like the same time constrictions that I did at Coast Guard Academy but um 
I just, I loved it. And so then I got to be part of sports again and that kind of feeling. Cause I just, I remember shooting like football games or soccer games. And I like those cause you'd be down on the field and you'd like have to get out of the way of players if they came over the sidelines. And like, that was something that just really, and like the sweat and the smells and everything. Yeah. And you're, you almost like you feel like you're more in it. And yeah. then, so shooting surfing and shooting in the water was like that same feeling. Like you're, you're part of the scene. You're someone in the water. You're working within the environment and with like whatever the conditions are doing. Well, it's like a perfect combination of all your interests by the sound of it, you know, like and everything. It just all like I kind of led to this yeah. point, didn't it? You know, and like, and you make the point about it being sport and it being physical, but presumably that was a pretty major advantage for you. The fact that you were so comfortable in the water, mm-hmm. you know, you fit, you've got, cause it's pretty hard work right paddling out a pipeline and <laughs> yeah and I think that was part of it too um I had been a distance swimmer that was my thing I fucking I man when you have a I finally figured out how to turn my brain off and I um before I really dug my heels in with surf photography and I was kind of just starting I was still doing um, open water races on Oahu. Right. And I figured out how to turn my effing brain off into like a good space where I could just like, I could actually race. And I start, I, how'd you do that? You got to tell me how you do that. Oh, <laughs> I could do with a bit of that. Weird. You just have to be <laughs> like, it's like you give the pain a hug. Right. And you're just like, all right, you're here. Let's fucking dance. Yeah. And you just go, oh my God. And like, I did. I'd had a couple races um, throughout my years of swimming where you you hit that euphoria state like you get with marathon runners. Yeah. Um, I found that in distance swimming that it just hurts so much and then it's just gone and you're like, you can oh, keep I'm wow. floating on a cloud. I don't feel any, what is happening. What distances just, we we are we talking about here? Um, my favorite was the mile. Right. Loved it. Flat out, six hundred meters. Yeah. Yeah. That was just... Yeah. Wow. So you, it's almost like a transcendental kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it just, it wasn't all the time. And it was so hard for me to like get there with races. And I like, I finally, I put that together out here. And it was like one of those things where like, I don't, it's just, I think the thing with surf photography and what really drew me to it is like, I had started surfing and body surfing, but... Those are, those are really like surfing, especially is like a a talent thing and it takes years of doing it. And like a lot of repetition. I've been reminded of that in, on this trip to Hossegor. Yeah. And I just. I'll proper this trip. I'm like, fuck me. I'm shit at surfing. (laughs) (laughs) Which I always knew. Oh. But there's nothing. Well, you know, enthusiastic intermediate, let's put it that way. But um but yeah, it's funny. Yeah, exactly. It's just repetition, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, but it's, I found with water photography, it was, it was work. Right. And I can fucking work. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, I can work at this and I can get better at this. And this is taking all the things I like. Yeah, right. And Which must have been a brilliant realization. Yeah, it was just, and yeah, I, and I loved it. And I had to... I do have to say part of my like getting into that Hawaii community, kind of going to that question. Um, I started shooting, you know, what's funny. I had a lot of people going, you know, why aren't you shooting with more women and whatnot? 
I found that, um, who did I, you know what? How did that even start? I'm trying to think with, um, Flynn Novak. I'm trying to think how I started shooting with him. I think I got shots of Flynn and then we just kept linking up, um, cause I'd shoot Rockies a lot and he was, he's out at Rockies all the time. And then I asked him, um, one summer cause I was like, Hey, I'm going to start getting into shooting diving. Right. Can I shoot you while you're spearfishing and try and get used to that? Like, and he was really patient with me for that. And that was awesome. Um, but then we had like, we'd exchanged numbers. And so he was the, always the person that was there. If he said he was going to be somewhere, he was right there. And I consistently worked with him. And then other people that I tried to link up with, they like, they were flakes. It was, <laughs> I was terrible. Say, sounds pretty it's flaky. Pretty, like you just, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go surf poop And then they don't leave a time. They don't leave anything. And they're like, oh yeah, I just got out of the water. So fun. Ha ha ha. And you're like, no, I'm not going to sh- like fucking wait around for this. And yeah. I wanted to shoot too. I wanted to shoot. Um, I didn't want to just shoot women and there's, I think women are beautiful surfers and I think I love shooting longboarding. I have so much fun, but I wanted to shoot fucking man turns, like guys doing really powerful turns and aerials and things that I was only seeing from a few women. And so I thought I was like, I'm going to have a better chance to do that and learn how to do that with shooting with a guy. And so, um, really shooting with Flynn and then um I shot with Leah Dawson a lot and Ulu Napeahi and so it's just like those three and kind of having people see that I was like working with them and I didn't work with them because so people would see who I was working with and be like oh we like her because she shoots with them it was one of those things where they were the people that showed up yeah and they were there on time and like and it just kept building those relationships. And so I think that's part of how I kind of got into things. Yeah. And I, I imagine by this, you know, your work ethics obviously so formidable and you're so conscientious clearly and, and also take commitments seriously. So I imagine, you know, you kind of need that sort of partner that's going to respect that and take it seriously as you do. Right. If you're going to, if you're going to form forge a partnership with somebody. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, it's one of those things that if you get one of those, especially in the surf world, man, hang on to that and just go with it because you can create some really fantastic things if you have someone that's like of that same mindset that wants to work with you like that. And God, to this day, some of my favorite shots still are ones that I've gotten of um, Flynn and Leah and Ulu respectively. Like I still use them on my website, still have them in my portfolios. And I think it's because of like, you work with them consistently and you learn what they're going to do on waves and you figure out which waves they're going to want and kind of like, Oh, there's it's walling up across the way. He's going to build speed and probably do an air. And you can kind of like pre-stage your thought process for that. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And then working like that was with Flynn and Ulu and even seeing like their turns and that kind of a thing and getting used to that. And then shooting with Leah was like, um, she's very graceful and poised. And so it was just getting, so I just, I had people around that were different types of surfers. Right. And it, that helped too. Yeah. And as in like help you learn the craft. Exactly. Yeah. And ex- explore 
how you want to do it mm-hmm. and how you want to find your kind of aesthetic voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and when did you then start to think, well, this is a question I asked you last night, but I'm going to yeah. ask it again, like just in the context of this conversation that we're yeah. having, like, you know, when did you think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in full time on this. Like, you know, this, this can actually be my job. And cause you, you mentioned the, the Coast Guard, you know, you, you, you sign up for a set period and you said, you know, you're always going to do, was it five years? You said you were going to do that. Like, um, did those two p- things coincide or, or was it after you left the Coast Guard? Like, how did it work? So, oh, this one. Okay. So when I was leaving the Coast Guard, I had, you know, and oh, gosh, um, I had some really amazing people that I worked with and I had some people that were just unpleasant. Right. And I had a couple senior officers, they had me in their office and they're like, you know, you, um, at first I didn't necessarily have a set plan for what I was going to do after the Coast Guard. And I basically got told the short version of the story, like, you're probably going to fail in this and you're going to want to get back into the millet. Like you're going, you're not, this isn't something you'll succeed at Really, type of thing. Yeah. And it was like, and then I had one tell me, he goes, you know, you remind me of yourself. Like myself as a young junior officer and I decided to stay in and look at me now. And I felt like part of me just like died inside. Wow. Cause he, yeah, the guy had like, what a dick. Yeah. (laughs) And, Oh gosh. I just was like, Oh, I don't want to be when I grow up. No. Yeah. Like, and be, when I grow up, you I could was be like, a dick like me. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, No. And, you know, the good people I worked with were like, You're going to, hey, I'm going to see your work and I'm going to go, fuck yeah, I got to work with her and she's doing other things and she's doing great and I'm yeah. excited for her. Right. So I did have that from a few people, but it was more a resounding like, you're probably going to fail. Right. And it was like, fuck you. I'm going to succeed at this. And like, I think the turning point with it was, I, um, you could get the GI Bill for, and I'll explain that real quick. Um, to go back to school and they pay you a stipend, a monthly stipend to live on and they'll pay for school completely. And so I said to myself, I said, you know what, instead of just going into photography full, like cold Turkey, I'll get a uh, photojournalism degree from university of Hawaii. Right. And I started the whole process. I got accepted into UH. Um, I had everything kind of ready to go. And then the time, like things started coming around and they called me and they were like, well, despite the fact that you went to the Coast Guard Academy, we still need you to retake some freshman 101 courses. So you need to take American government again. And I'm just like, they started listing these classes and I was like, wait, what? My credits don't count. What? <laughs> like, wow. And I just, I went, okay. And it didn't feel right. And it wasn't like a laziness perspective. It was more of a like, do I really need to do this again? And then um, this is a different kind of a, different side of the answer that I gave last night. Yeah. But that summer I started um, shooting full time and it still wasn't time to like pick classes at UH. And so I still had time to say like, no, I'm not going to use the GI Bill and go back to school for photojournalism. Right. Um, and I started working over the summer and doing different 
photography jobs and shooting and freelance. And I started making as much as I would be making with the GI Bill right. per month or more some months too. And that summer I just, I was like, no, I don't have to go back to school. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I can do this Amazing. without that. And I'm going to just start shooting and working my way up and putting my work out there. Right. And so that was, that was a turning point for me too, was not using that GI Bill. And part of the reason I even did the GI Bill was because I wanted something solid to tell people at work because I didn't want to hear people tell me I was going to fail left and right, which is what I kept hearing from people for the most part. And it was just so frustrating. That's There's that like, fuel again though for you, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like somebody telling you can't do something sounds like that's red rag. <laughs> totally. You know, is. you're like, all right. <laughs> like... Yeah. And I don't, I feel like too, one of the things when I was a kid, I feel like I always read and was really drawn to like things with women that just were like fucking going for it. Like I remember reading about Amelia Earhart when I was a kid and then, you know, and having that kind of attitude and my mom had always been, um, a nurse. And so she had, she was a part-time nurse and so and then when we were kids and then my dad was a pharmacist and so I had parents that worked hard that I looked up to and it was like just one of those things where I had like my mom and she was a very like strong woman and like went for like did things that she wanted to do yeah. in feasible ways and I just I always had that growing up and then my like it was something like I just saw it and was drawn to it and wanted to have that kind of attitude that like that go for it. And like, if I have something that I really want, just like, just go like, just have this like tenacity yeah, and chase that. And so once I really locked into, okay, I want to be a surf photographer. I want to do this. I want to, um, get better and improve at this. It really just kept propelling me forward. Yeah. Yeah, so those positive role models kind of were yeah. were a big, a big help with that. And how about the the kind of because you've talked about like the path and you've talked about like the practicalities and the kind of skill sets and 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 that side of things. But how about actually getting published? You know, actually getting getting in the game. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Because that's yeah, because that's that's the whole of the skill, isn't it? As well. I mean, let's let's be clear. That is like a that you, you know you do need to cultivate that you got to get the network you got to get the relationships you got to find the contacts yeah who do you even reach out to yeah especially if you're coming at it from i'm gonna say a pretty non-traditional surf industry background you know as geographically and in terms of your career path as well yeah and i wasn't like oh i'm gonna help out so-and-so's kid because i know their parents or i know like or oh they're related to so-and-so like oh that's great i'd love to get them stuff and get them going with things there wasn't yeah. ever any like someone helped me it wasn't gonna do anything for him you know what i mean yeah um but publishing yeah that was that was tough i remember um i just it was one of those things where social media actually was a big help for me there's i if I would have a flip phone, I could, I would, I would just get on the flip phone train real yeah. quick. But it's one of those things where like, 
you have to have some kind of social media at this point. And so um, I think on the flip side of that, that helped me not get buried by photo editors. Right. Like... So you could find a voice. Exactly. And um, it was Pete Hodgson who had seen some of my photos and he told Surfline to... He said, hey, Surfline, keep an eye out for this girl and keep look at her work and just see where she goes. And um, he kind of... And I didn't know this at the time. He told me this a few years after the fact. Right. And um, just watching William carefully try and get that board out. You can leave the door open, actually, man. Thanks, William. Um, yeah. Sorry. So and he- so he he had said that to them, and then I got a shot of uh, Takayuki Wakita, and he was um, sitting at his like the Wakita bowl at pipe. Yeah. And he backdoored a wave, and it's just curling over him perfectly and it just it was really it was pretty and surfline pulled it and used it right and so that was like the first time that they'd used something from me and so that was a really that was like that's a big moment isn't oh, it? oh yeah and so that, they really like um started publishing a lot of my stuff um i would say even before like even before free surf started publishing um and free surf is pretty niche it's real hawaii centric too so like um even like i getting in with them like when i was first starting out that was another big deal for me was having them actually use my work and i remember sending in like (laughs) this pretty god-awful earshot right but from (laughs) k wallows it was like a really like tiny day and he was barely over the lip doing an air and um this and the photo editor was like you know keep working at it um and just keep sending in more and more and so um just keep going with this yeah and it it took a while but then eventually like I got spreads and then um I got a cover with Flynn for a town issue and so it was just one of those things where I just kept like applying myself with it yeah and so it was just it's a slow process for me long story short like i'm just i'm glad i had social media because i didn't get necessarily like oh we don't want to use her nobody knows her whatever yeah like it didn't get thrown into that kind of pile or have that mentality with it that i think it i don't know it could have easily had yeah and maybe it wouldn't have i don't know for certain but just with kind of the prevailing attitudes and like, oh, we're using him because we've always used this person. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it just, I just kept trying to build it on itself. Yeah. Did you did you ever face any of the similar kind of blockers, gatekeepers that you described in the Coast Guard in the surf industry? Did you ever, or has it been a bit of a different story? Have you, have you, have you generally found it supportive space for somebody that, you just you just started uproariously laughing. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think I've seen the same stuff that goes on in the work environment in the Coast Guard as I do in yeah. surfing. You kind of just see pe- that people, almost I guess. anywhere. Yeah. And it just is, it's people. And as far as blockers go, I don't think I had any more blockers than guy photographers like i talk about some stories and then they'll tell me similar stories yeah 
you know? And so it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know, it's not this, and maybe I'm wrong. It didn't seem like this total He-Man woman haters club for me. Yeah. Like, and there were some guys that were, I don't know, weird about stuff. Like, cause you're shooting in bigger surf and they are like, but you just, you let it go and you move on and you keep doing your thing. Yeah. And you can't let that get you frustrated or get you worried about it. And so as the years have gone on though, I've started working with brands and um, female photo editors or female teams. And that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and that's something I've seen more recently. I actually, at the start of my career, I had more support from men than I did from women. Right. And, but now that's, that's changed and that's been awesome. That's been a welcome change and it really is fun to work with women but it's also I enjoy working with men too and that was what I got so used to in the Coast Guard yeah as well and that like ties into pipe too because you go in the pipeline up and it's all guys but I didn't even worry about that that's right. what I was so used to that it was like oh okay we'll see if I can be friends with people eventually when I get the cojones to talk to people <laughs> like, yeah 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 did you find the actual physical arena um intimidating as in like you know swimming out to pipe and it just those wa waves are huge yeah swimming at big pipe or sunset or waimea or anywhere where it's big um like yeah it's there should always be some level of kind of like fear or even like intimidation going oh holy shit because like that gets that kind of like awareness going in your head so when you're in the water you don't like um kind of space out or like just you're not aware and then you get slammed by a big wave or you get in a bad spot because you kind of like clicked out of that awareness so I kind of you want to have that feeling yeah um but you have to have it effectively like you can't have it send you into a panic mode but I think one of the things um, I've met guys out there that have come to shoot out there and it's like a fucked up, like 10 foot day and kind of North and like not a good day to start on. They're like, Oh, this is my first day out here. And I'm sitting there in my head. I'm like, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I I don't care where you're from. Like give yourself time and kind yeah. of take it slow and like build yourself up with it. And it's like, this want for an instant need for things to come quickly. Yeah. And it's like, no, like take your time with it. Like, yeah. Give yourself a chance. And I don't know, guys like that either burn out quick or they get really injured yeah. or like, um, so it's just, it's one of those things where you want that fear factor and then you have that, but like at the same, on the same vein, you look at those intimidating days and you, even the days that aren't intimidating, you make like exit strategy plans. If shit hits the fan and you look at the currents and you look at what things are doing and you get a feel for it. And then, um, you also just have to go there. Sometimes I just call it like acceptance basically right? where you look up and like, Oh, this 12 foot wave is going to just detonate in front of me. Like the lip's going to hit and it's probably going to be like six feet in front of me. I'm fucked, <laughs> but you can't be panicking. Right. Yeah. As long as you just like keep yourself relaxed and you make your 
quick decisions and you just go with those decisions and you don't hesitate on them. Yeah. Like you just see how it goes. And sometimes it's, yeah, but it's that thing where you do, you want that intimidation factor. I think as soon as you lose that, it's not going to go well for you. Like you should still look at, yeah, you should, I don't know if there's ever like a, Oh, I feel pretty safe today going out when it's, giant and terrifying looking well i think what's interesting about what you've been telling me is it's been a lifetime to get you to this point hasn't it you know like all all the all the things you've learned all the experiences that you've had physically mentally intellectually you know they've all that they've kind of taken you here haven't they like you say it's like and it's been a very very long game but it's enabled you because they're all foundational parts of it aren't they The, Mm -hmm. the different experiences that you've described and they've enabled you to succeed in, in what you've what, when you found found the passion you know that you, that you wanted to find which must be a really nice feeling I imagine it is and I it's an amazing feeling but I don't I don't want to get complacent with it yeah like I kind of like want to keep um I don't know I keep what's the best I I don't know why I keep thinking about tumbleweeds this trip but just like it starts small it's because we're basically living in a desert (laughs) (laughs) but like it just kind of everything builds on itself and I don't know people look at me and they're like or not people look hold on I'm saying I feel like I'm saying this retarded I'm getting back I'm getting back we're here we're here that's all good we can 2014 I started shooting surfing in the water and then I'm where I'm at now and they think oh that's really like that's pretty quick. Yeah. But it's it's not But it's for actually me. it's not quick, no. 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 Like none of that was quick. Like those years may be quick and there was but there's parts in there like just there's my whole life that led up to this. Yeah. Like and then even now too I um I edited photos for a friend's um wedding uh, photography business that they have up in Pupakea and they've the mom has been running it since the 80s and so it was something that was like um a supplementary income because I was like I just wasn't making as much as I wanted to with uh, other things and so I was like oh this is a great way to hone my editing skills and you know just keep shooting it's like I don't have to it was one of the things I did right when I got out of the Coast Guard and I first went into things full time right and that was great to have because that meant I didn't have to go um work at a coffee shop necessarily to get some extra income and so even that editing helped me see like how to adjust skin tones better in shots yeah and so I would apply that to surfing photos and then eventually like free diving and the underwater world and learning how to work with tones underwater and making things like the right colors for those shots. Yeah. And so that was something that helped me too. Like there have been so many pieces and parts that have gone into what I like where I'm at now that like may not be visible if you just look at me on a timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that, I think every story of people doing creative things has that in common. I mean, it just it is a long game, isn't it? There's, there's just no two ways about it um all right final question because that that has raced by um 
This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I quite like the fact we had people walking in and out as well, and you know, bit <laughs> bit bit of activity. It's kind of been like the week spin for us, isn't it? Um, how do you relax? How do I relax? I I surf and I body surf, right. and I found that both of those have actually fed into surf photography. Um, and then I like when it's flat. If I'm not diving, I go for a swim. And that feeds into it too, because I'm swimming over places that I shoot. Yeah. So I'm seeing how the reef is shaped and what's going on there. And then with surfing and body surfing, that's helped me understand breaks better. Um, I body surf pretty frequently at pipe. Yeah. And that, I feel like that gave me a better understanding of where I could sit okay. when I'm shooting and like moving in deeper, but doing it in a way that I'm not like a danger factor, I guess, or like giving me that understanding of like how to get out of like tricky situations that I didn't necessarily have before I started doing that. And so, and then surfing taught me about like, it teaches you about lineups and like where deep spots are and that kind of a thing and how the, also how the reef is. So they all kind of like have helped me be a better photographer, but also be relaxing at the same time and be really fun. And my husband um, loves to surf and he loves to be in the water and he will surf if it's onshore and windy and he'll surf tiny waves and be just as happy in tiny waves as he is on big days. Right. So that's an amazing thing too. Cause I'm such a frother. <laughs> like <laughs> I really am. And so I, like I met someone that like froths that hard, like that wants the same thing. More, yeah. Like, go out when it's quote unquote shitty waves yeah, and be like, Oh, this is, this is great. Like, and he's, um, he's from Maui. And so he's like, anytime there's wind, he's like, Oh, this is still sick. This is so good. And I had been, I dated some guys from Oahu and they were like, they were wind princesses. Like if it got windy or had a little (laughs) ruffle, they were like, I don't want to go today. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go, but I'll talk to you later. Yeah. (laughs) And so I feel like I met someone that had like, we really matched energy levels. Yeah. And so we relaxed together with like hanging out and going and doing, and he body surfs too. Like he just is very much of that ocean mind frame too. Right. And so it's something we can do together. Yeah. I, I lied. I've got one more question. Yeah. What was, what was the last good book you read? <gasps> oh, what was the last good book I read? Can you still read? Or has the internet scrambled your brain? No, it hasn't scrambled my brain. That's oh, thank good. God. I read a lot. Um, I read so many books that I can't remember the title. Almost to a detriment to my work. That's my one thing. I can't start reading in the morning because then I'll end up editing like three hours later if I have like an editing day. Because I'll right. be like, oh, I can I edit in a little bit. I'll edit in a little bit. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I just lost like three hours of work time because I'm reading a book that I can read at any time of the day. Like, can't do that. So, um, God, I'm trying to... Oh, really good one. This is bad. I'm like... Hold on. I should I should give you some warning. Mm, no, I can do this. What genres do you, do you enjoy? Because you, <laughs> you get to the age though where you're like... I'm a, like, I'm an English lit graduate so read a lot spent way too much time reading books that i probably didn't really enjoy yeah you know because you sort of feel like you should read the classics or whatever and these days it's i'm quite quite happy really just reading 
Well, because the internet definitely did scramble my brain. Yeah. And I, I definitely went through quite a long period where I couldn't really read. Um, and I just sort of found that, especially if it was like quite a challenging book or like, you know, something that I thought that I should read, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and you're like, why, why is this in my brain now? Or like just stuff that was like, I don't know. Sometimes there's like uncomfortable feelings and you're like, I don't want to feel fucking uncomfortable when I'm reading. No, like, just read what you kind of like, really. Read. Yeah. Try, okay. Last good book I read, um, 10,000 Doors of January. That was really good. Oh, sorry. The last good book I read, um, it was like 10,000 Doors of January. I really liked that book. That was a while ago. That's the one that was the first title that popped in my head, but that was honestly a while ago. I've read good books since. Yeah. Um, but I will say I fucking go into middle school fantasy books, like books that I would read in middle school. Yeah. I still read as an adult, like yeah, full yeah. on and that are like well, fantasy kind of and other world about. books. And yeah, you know, cause you, yeah. Why, why not? If it's what you like, it's what you're into. Yeah. And they're fun. It's the point, isn't it? It's meant to be enjoyable. Right. And I don't know. My husband will read like smart books. I <laughs> <laughs> just like, I thought that's like my way to just like, turn off all the things that are going on in the world and the outside stuff and just kind of go into a different place and enjoy that. And I, yeah, I really like that. And fuck, I'll read rom-com books too. Like the cheesy chick flick books basically. Yeah. Cause they're fun. Like, Oh, what is it? Sophie Kinsella. She wrote a bunch of uh, books, the confessions of a shopaholic series. Yeah. And then a bunch of others after that. And they're hilarious. Like, and if you just need something that's just like light and like, I call them brain fluff books sometimes. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. that might be quite insulting no, to I the author. I don't think it is. I don't think it but is. But like... There's, there's a lot of snobbery around reading. There's yeah. a lot There's a lot of snobbery about like, you know, just looking down on certain genres and looking down on, on things that give, at the end of the day, give a lot of people a lot of pleasure, you know. I, I don't really understand oh, it. Oh, dude, you... Well, you look at like the beauty and the like the brawn books with like the covers on them with like the guy that's like all like yeah, yeah. glowing and yeah. six pack with and the with, girls with Fabio like on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a damsel in distress. Yeah. Like that shit do you know how popular those are though? Yeah. Like and this I literally know. sold millions of copies. Yeah. yeah. So like, people are clearly reading what they want to read. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, I think worth remembering. I don't know. I didn't used to like freely admit this stuff. I would be like, oh, fuck, I have to have like an intelligent name of a book yeah. to tell people. And now I'm just like, I've got a dragon in the book that I'm reading right now. Yeah. It's working for me. Yeah, yeah. It's been entertaining. So I'm doing going it, with it. Doing its job. Yeah, it's working great. Yeah, doing its job, hoarding its gold. Just got some eggs they've got to find, you know, the whole song and dance with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think there's just a certain comfort with yourself too of being able to like if you do things that aren't cool, yeah. quote unquote, just being able it's to very, be like it's very liberating. Well, it comes yeah. back to what we were talking about before, doesn't it? Like the pressure to fit in that you kind of feel when you grow up, and you know, let's be honest, spend a large part of your adult life, especially your, your early adult life, unlearning. And and you know, if you're lucky, you'll unlearn it. Obviously, I think yeah. a lot of people find it difficult to escape those social pressures and and the the perception that they should behave in a certain way to fit you know particular ways of thinking but when you when you finally are like fuck that 
it's quite nice yeah. isn't it oh it's so nice it's one of the best parts of getting older actually it's just a bit like ah oh, yeah, yeah. See, i don't need to care about that anymore exactly or i don't want to put time in just hanging out with that person yeah a bit of an ass that's also a really a really good one isn't it yeah you know like when you can be like yeah okay i don't need to be friends with that person anymore yeah i think it's good good hygiene isn't it good mental hygiene all that stuff because it's it's like you were saying earlier like there's enough fucking serious shit in the world to worry about isn't there you know without like oh yeah piling these pressures on as well you yeah know, which are, which are essentially artificial aren't they really you know they really exist exactly and i don't know i think one key thing that i've realized is just have a lot of gratitude in everything that you get to do like i'm so grateful to be able to travel and to be able to see different things and um photograph and document different perspectives i'm beyond thrilled to do that but like you just have to accept like that you're going to have to work hard if you really want that kind of lifestyle. And yeah. I think once you kind of realize those things with whatever you want to do, like you're going to be able to do it, but you just have to kind of get to those points. And even to your point about accepting yourself, like, God, I, I'm so glad I got through this with like, even in the Coast Guard Academy, but like I used to be so self-conscious and I still have stuff where I look at pictures and I'm like oh god I'm slouching or like oh this dress fit weird or something like that and like now I'm just like no I'm good my body works like it does everything I need it to do and I'm healthy and I'm a functional human like okay so I was slouching all right I won't slouch the next time it's gonna be okay like you know and just not being so nitpicky with yourself it all goes back to that general feeling yeah but once you kind of have like letting go of those like it just all i feel like it puts you in a good mindset to where you can really achieve what you want to achieve yeah does that make sense it does yes okay yeah i was like well i'm coming i feel like i'm coming full circle (laughs) i don't know if i'm there yet no i was i was like i was listening to that thinking there we go we wrapped it up yeah no that was great thank you so much this was so fun yeah should we go get some fresh air get out of the dungeon I just want to stay in here and sweat. <laughs> I've been really enjoying this. No, I really have enjoyed this regardless of the sweat. I'll no, take it's it. Been, it's 48 been degrees and all. Yeah. Bring well, it on. Let's hope it's not quite that anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. That was me and Krista and I hope you enjoyed it. We had such a laugh recording that one and hanging out that week. Um, like I said, Krista is ace. Felt like I made a proper pal there. Um, she also invited us to go and stay on the North Shore and she even offered to take Owen out at Pipeline, which was hilarious to see. Obviously, being the the surf grom that he is at heart, Owen was extremely keen about that. So you never know. Perhaps there's a Hawaii omnibus in the offing. Let's wait and see. Eh? But thank you, Krista, for being such a great sport and for the brilliant and insightful conversation. Highly, highly recommend you check out Krista's work over at Instagram at InstaclamFunk or make sure you watch your episode of Pack Heavy Chase Light. The documentary series DB are hosting over at their YouTube channel. It's been made by Sam Moody, who is a proper um, accomplished and, let's be honest, hip surf filmmaker. um, And it's really good. So housekeeping corner. What's going on? Well, it's been a a hectic few weeks, to be honest. And um, I could do with a bit of a holiday, which considering I don't have a proper job and basically go on holiday for a living, if you listen to my mum anyway... Um, it's probably causing some of you to reach for the world's tiniest violin. Um, but nevertheless, um, 
a holiday beckons. I think me, Boog and Peg are heading back to France in August and September in the van. Going to keep on this uh, long-standing exploration of Normandy and Brittany surf spots we've got going on. I can't wait for that. I'm also training. This is probably why I'm so tired all the time, come to think of it. I'm also training for a 6K swim in mid-July, which is coming up alarmingly quickly and, and which I'm really not feeling hugely prepared for. I'm sure it'll be fine, though. Um, and this one is a lovely picturesque swim down the River Avon to Bantham, um, which should be nice. Beautiful part of the world, that. Um, what else is happening? Well, I was also guest on a couple of podcasts myself this last week, um, which it's been a while, and I did enjoy it. First one I did was called the UK Surf Show, which was ace. The lads were great interviewers. And just a really fun chat about surfing and life, that in which I told a few Ed Lee-related war stories for the uh, the diehards on here. Then I was on a show called Get After It, which, as you might imagine from the name, is a little bit more from the life hack school of podcasting, and which I also enjoyed, but for various different reasons. Pre- presenter Nashi, big up Nashi, had clearly done his homework and asked me a lot of really interesting questions about ACM, my working life, and some other stuff I've not really thought about for a while. Um, I'll be sharing these on the old socials in the next few weeks if you fancy a listen. Um, elsewhere, well, as you'll know if you follow me on Insta or LinkedIn or listen to the Tim Myers episode, um, we launched the DB Times Looking Sideway Fund last week. Uh, and I make no apologies for bringing it up again. And you better get used to it because I'm going to be uh, talking about this quite a lot in the coming months. Because I am on a mission to help find as many of you vo- as many new voices as we can, which is what the fund is all about. Um, if you missed the last episode or are wondering what I'm on about, allow me to elaborate. Well, a couple of years ago, I had an idea to try and find a way to help new creatives and storytellers find a way into the industry. Um, been chatting about this on and off on the show for a couple of years. I was referring to it as the media apprenticeship. Um, and it turns out my friends at DB Journey had a similar idea. Uh, so we joined forces and we've launched this fund Um, So basically, like I say, we're trying to find and mentor the next generation of creatives and storytellers, people with a story to tell and help them get their project out there. We're not too bothered about the medium. You can be a photographer, a writer, a podcaster, a journalist, a filmmaker, an artist. It's just about the idea. As I spoke about in my conversation with Nashi on Get After It, I think the question he asked me was like, do you have to find yourself keeping up with um, all the current platforms and all that in your line of work? And I sort of do to a certain extent, but as I sort of said to him, I think there's two things going on. There's there's the currency of ideas, which has never changed. And then there's the means of distribution, which is really what those platforms are. And here we just want to, we want to find out what the idea is. We want to help people develop an idea. And we want to, you know, I'm sure they've got an idea about like where they want to distribute it or what medium they want to use. But Ultimately, it's about giving people a leg up and helping to drag it out of them. So this summer, we're picking two winners. We're going to offer them a cash fund of up to €5,000 each. We're going to connect them with mentors that can help them get the finished project out into the world. Um, You might even get to appear on this podcast to talk about it, and you might even be featured in the aforementioned Pack Heavy Chase-like documentary series being made in association or buy to be less wanky sam moody um i'm as you might be able to tell extremely hyped about this um and i'm really hoping that i get a lot of listeners applying for it and yeah i really hope that people consider sharing it as well so we can spread the word 
You can find full details on this link, dbjourney.com forward slash pages forward slash db dash fund. Um, I've also put it in my recent newsletter. It's all, you know, I'm really hoping we get some good, uh, good shares, sharesies with this one because I think it's a great project and I'm looking forward to see what we discover. Um, so that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, DB. And uh, I'll be back soon. Nice one.